This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,550, recorded July 12th, 2000. First off, just in private to you guys out in the other cities, according to my reckoning, the 23rd of September will be the Saturday of St. Quantum's. And I was thinking it would be nice. All of you people who out of town who could, we show up down here. I don't mean to give you the blues, and I don't mean it as a some sort of veiled hint. But due to what happened to me, we never know whether I'll be here to see you again or not. Plus, a couple of you out there I've never even seen before. Why don't you come down? Now. Our main topic this evening is, I'm going to read this page through before I attempt explain any of it. I'm <laughs> <clears throat> sorry. Here we go. Everything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. Man seems to live by doing and to live by thinking and talking. And while doing is essential to survival, thinking and talking are not. A man could, in fact, survive solely by doing if he were removed from an environment wherein thinking had been made an integral part of everyday life. So, doing is essential, thinking is not. Actual survival is in doing, while thinking is either thinking about essential survival-related doing or is thinking about non-essential doing that is merely entertainment or is thinking about things that are total inventions of previous human thinking. Anything that's said or thought by anyone deserves to be ridiculed. Thinking is intended to assist doing in matters of survival, but thinking can also interfere with essential doing, such as in being mentally someplace else while carrying needed water and tripping and spilling it. Note, things men do may be laughed at, but only what they think deserves to be ridiculed. Doing is instinctive, while thinking is second-order instinctive, often appearing to be as much influenced by the external man-made cultural environment as by the internal physiological one. But do take note that the trick term herein is appearing to be. Reminder of our main topic, anything anyone says and ergo thinks, deserves to be mocked and ridiculed. Subtopic, ideas that can be offended should be offended. If you believe that a particular idea is true and you cannot see how it deserves to be insulted and offended, then you believe an idea that is a lie. Ideas that can be insulted should be insulted, and the more impressive they sound, the more they deserve to be insulted. Most people spend most of their time thinking about doing. Mystics think about thinking. And those who go beyond being mere mystics think about all the time they wasted thinking. The real topic, I wrote all this other shit that took up the rest of the page. I know what I did it for. Here it is. I say, quite seriously, that anything that anyone's ever said deserves to be ridiculed. I have nothing else to say, but I'll go ahead. Of course, that does not mean that one should do it actively or overtly. And in fact, here we are again, there is no word, there is no group of words, there is no term that adequately covers what I mean. Ridicule it just hit me, and so, as is generally the case, the first thing that hits me is the one I go with. It's hard for me to go away from it, at least until I talk to you people about it, and it doesn't mean shit anyway. But I considered mocked, I considered jeered, I considered dismissed. In a sense, the definition of one word almost went with disdained that anything ever said by anyone deserves to be disdained. The definition of it being in general that it is something 
unworthy of your notice. Something, in fact, if you're going to get pushed, contemptuously below your level. That's a bit much. But disdained is something worthy, not worthy of being noticed. Back again, coming up with just another variation of my verbal model, that looking at man as working by instinct, everything stays alive by instinct, and instinct is obviously essential just to survival. But then with us, with humans, we can apparently do that which no other creature, no other species can do, and that is think. And think obviously can aid in survival, but I would say to those who have taken it upon themselves to observe what goes on in the so-called mind, very little of it is directly, observably involved with matters of survival. Most of the time it's just rambling. Most of the time it's just daydreaming. I say that everything that's ever been said, anything that anybody can say, needs to be, deserves to be ridiculed. I'll make one more exception now that I'm talking about it. If the thinking and ergo the talking or talking and ergo the thinking has anything to do with doing, such as giving someone directions to a water hole, telling someone how to make a wheel, telling someone how to raise corn, discounting things that are said about the physical world directly related to survival I say that everything else deserves to be ridiculed. Now, I don't know if I can talk in such a way long enough tonight to make you get your own idea of what I mean, because I repeat, ridicule is not the word, mocked is not the word, and especially, when I say not overtly, not even to yourself, not that you hear somebody say something and to yourself you go, oh, Jesus, you goddamn idiot. Nobody but a moron would say that. It's not that. It is not overt. It is not active. You don't actually ridicule what you heard someone say. But I don't have a word for it. And it means something. I actually mean something useful by it. I mean something very specific. If you like disdained, even dismissed, dismissed is not bad. Because you know what one of the definitions of dismissed is, is you simply ignore it. Or you hear something and then you, you just forget about it. You dismiss it as being of no importance. It has no pertinence. I still like ridicule. Don't ask me why. Maybe it's just because I have a smart-ass temperament to start with. But that's the way it hit me originally. And so that's the way I decided to pass it along to you initially, is that anything... Anyone has ever said, anything that anyone will ever say, deserves to be ridiculed. If you notice, in a sense, people do this without my encouragement. And I don't mean just those seeking to get to the bottom of things. That's why I threw in the little line pointing out that what people do, back considering the division of the two models that men do and men think. What men do, oftentimes, gets laughed at. Perhaps an archetypical scene is the slipping on a banana peel. People will laugh at it. But I say that they do not ridicule it. It takes thinking. It takes talking. Ordinary people only ridicule and mock one another, jeer at one another. They only do it on the basis of non-essentials, thinking, and ergo talking. That men only ridicule other men's thinking. They will laugh at their doing. You mean you tried to start your lawnmower with kerosene? You thought it would work since you didn't have gasoline? And people might laugh. <laughs> you know, that's funny. But ridicule is limited, even with ordinary people, I say in general, is limited to what other men think, what other men say, what other men write. It is limited to ideas. 
But of course, I'm not that interested in what other ordinary, what other people do. I say to people like us, it is a specific charge. It is a specific useful notion as to consider what I'm saying, that everything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. I'm not even sure it deserves anything else. In case you're waiting, I was thinking there was a nice pregnant open area there for me to make some comment, to add something to it. But are you sure that anything ever said deserves anything other than ridicule? In our case, at least, it would seem to certainly have some exceptional aspect to it. That is, whatever you first hear, whatever first gets you going, or whatever gets you going adequately along the lines of finally realizing what this is all about, the whole idea of trying to awaken or achieve some extraordinary, unusual state of awareness or consciousness, to begin with, you have to take something sincerely. You have to take something in a non-dismissal manner, such as trying to observe yourself, trying to be mindful, trying to calm the mind, trying to stop thought. You remember twice in the last week, I wrote a little news item, and then I repeated it a night later, that I said that the cardinal rule in, mountain, in rock climbing was do not let go of what you're holding on to until you're holding on to something else. And I said, but the paramount rule in wising up, climbing up the sheer wall of understanding, is just the damn opposite. Just the opposite. Well, I say that one of the ways of assisting yourself, of turning loose to what you're holding on to now so that you can turn on, hold on to something else, which people don't want to do anyway. But one way to go about it is to ridicule what you're holding on to now. Let me rephrase that. To understand what I mean when I say that anything ever said, anything ever thought deserves to be ridiculed, is for you to see for yourself, not just ridicule it because I say so. Sure, why not? Do it if you want to. I was going to say, did anybody get lost? I was going to say, no, it'd be better. Rather than me just say, ridicule whatever it is that you feel like you're holding on to now that is really meaningful. Just go ahead and ridicule it, even if you don't understand what I mean by it deserves to be ridiculed. And then I stopped, if you notice, and I went, nah, scratch that. Uh, it's better that you go ahead and wait until you realize for yourself what I mean by it before you do it. Why the hell did I waste our time doing that? That deserves ridicule. I didn't lose everybody, did I? that I stopped to say, well, now, wait a minute. At least you take the wrong idea. How can you take the wrong damn idea? Plus, along the lines of everything being ridiculed, when's everybody here and all around the world, all the people who have any intelligence, when are you going to agree with me? When do you know what I mean when I say that there is something highly suspicious about passionate sounding voices of speakers. <laughs> I hear me doing it, staying here constantly. I don't hear it enough, I guess, or it'd make me sick. I manage not to hear it. But every night I know I do it. And sometimes I think, well, they need to be stirred up a little. I wish, I wish they would get the excitement about this particular <coughs> method or this particular trick. I wish they would try it, and they would be as passionate about it, at least for a moment, for a while, as I was, or maybe they would. And so I can tell myself, well, I'm trying to help you know, stir it up a little. If, as long as they're going to continue to show up, why not be passionate about it? It seems to go, your involvement in this, the interest seems to go up and down. It did with me for years. And I would finally think, well, there's really nothing else to see. The case has been closed. I see what's going on. Yeah, I just wouldn't give up. In one sense, it becomes more and more fun. It's a different kind of fun. It's not the same kind of excitement that it was when I was 20 years old. But then again, nothing is! <laughs> you didn't have to point that out. You're right, I didn't. But anyway, don't you find something is suspicious? Don't you ever listen? We're so accustomed to it. Again, I say... Movies, radio, television, newscast, 
you don't hear it that much. Well, we're so used to that. That it goes on that there is just this up and down, this sing-song, this passion. And most of the time, it is transparently faux. It is obviously pretentious. That is, that the person has no real passion in it. They may have a passion in trying to keep their job. They may have a passion in trying to sell you whatever it is, but they don't have a passion about whatever it is, of course, in real estate sales. Or, you know, a book on how to lose weight. Or some new church. The religion they're pushing, they may have a passion of wanting people to contribute money to buy the product to become their follower, but they don't have a passion in the product. Or i put it to you another way, if they do, they're more insane than they look and act. Hence the word fanatic. That even ordinary humanity decide, we need something to come up with. You know, priests and rabbis and insurance salesmen are bad enough on the hoof. When they get you trapped in a corner, when they will call you on the phone, when they will not take, absolutely not, and go to hell for any sort of answer, we need another word for it. Now, I'm sure the first word they came up with was frightening. Or either that or extremely annoying. But then based upon that great Roman word, fan, no, I guess it was a Greek word. Anyway. They derive the word fanatical. Very few people are fanatical because very few people are passionate about anything that's non-essential. And as I point out time and time again, people do not sell. We do not have promoters of things essential. We don't have promoters of doing. There's nobody out promoting or preaching the benefits of eating. They're preaching the benefits of eating at Joe's Cafe. People only, unless they're frightened, unless a guy from another cave runs past you screaming, and you holler, what is he? He hollers, Saber Tooth! And then suddenly you are as passionate as he is to get the hell out of there. But other than that, real passion, in other words, which normally is not that vocal anyway, a guy really on the run, I don't think, I don't think you can expect or depend on a guy on the run for his life to stop along the way and to advise you either patiently or otherwise uh, as to why it would be to your benefit to follow him. At any rate, people only sell that which is non-essential. And only somebody who is completely deranged has any passion in that which is non-essential. So it's all full. It's all pretend. It's all an act. Every preacher, every rabbi, every salesman of anything that's non-essential, which, as I was pointing out, includes almost anything that you're ever subject to being sold on, is non-essential. It is something that derives from the mind as opposed to deriving from the older part, from the instinctive part of man. It is not related to anything necessary to survival. At any rate, I was still, in case you think I changed the subject completely, which is okay. But if you do, I ridicule you for that. But then you're supposed to think, well, I could have ridiculed you for changing the subject. All right, what if I hadn't? Well, that deserves to be ridiculed also. Who wants to just stay on the same subject? There is something very deserving of what I mean behind deserving of ridicule that's even more so when what's being said is more so passionately. That is, the more impressive, the more passionate, the more pressing, the more urgent sounds the talk. I say the more deserving it is to be ridiculed. I may be one thing, let's say, to ridicule uh, someone running for a local seat on the city council where you live. Anything they say is certainly deserving of ridicule. But it's not in the same class as, let's say, an utterance by the Pope. 
That's deserving of greater, deeper, more vigorous ridicule. Before I answer the question, I'd like for you to consider, amongst other things, I brought the Pope in religion because it is so fantastic in the other definition of the word fantastic. Other than religion, what would be more deserving of ridicule? I have one area in mind. No, it's not sports. Nice guess. No. <laughs> no, not accounting. Anything else? I'm not going to say that. Not important. Remember now, as you should, we are discounting the few times in one's daily life or in one's life that what is said in your presence, what you hear said or even what you read, which I include that, has to do specifically and only but it's specifically related to some survival-related essential area. Instructions in first aid. Or someone telling you how to do something related to harvesting a crop. Other than those things, and they always have to do with the physical world. They always have to do with real things. Things you can actually touch. Things outside the mind. We're discounting those few things. Because that is, I still propose, the initial or the basic purpose of the mind part of the brain. Is to assist the rest of the body. There's no doubt about it. To assist it in survival. To be able to think. To be able to remember. So that we're not re relying upon automatic instinct. Like, in a sense every other creature on this planet, by and large, that they're limited by wired, hardwired, automatic, instinctive responses. Wherein, being able to think, we don't have to rely on that. We, can, we have another area we can store memory, abstractly. We can change our behavior based upon past experience, or even based upon what we have heard from other people. Which, again, is back to the one area that does not, is not deserving of ridicule, is even if you've never experienced it. You may recall that, that you get snake bit or something happens to you in the woods and you remember something that you read from an authority or in a first aid book that says do so and so. And so even though you had no experience, and even though you have obviously no instinctive automatic reaction as to what to do with a snake bite, well, I assume you don't. I assume humans wouldn't if we didn't have uh, an active cerebral cortex, I assume that we wouldn't know what to do. You'd just get bit and you'd look at it and die if it was a poisonous snake. But based upon something that someone else has said that was not deserving of ridicule, that you are alone in the woods and you might suddenly remember what to do, what you read to do, and you might do it and it saved your life. There is, I keep proposing, the purpose without any question that that's a purpose that surely any intelligent human would agree to is the purpose of the intellect, of the mind. Again, we're discounting all of that, as always. <clears throat> all of that held in abeyance. Then I say to you that if you'll look, I say that everything else a human has ever thought and said, anything that a human can say, the will say, deserves to be ridiculed. I don't care what it is. It deserves to be, again, not actively. You don't actually do it. You've got to figure out, find for yourself. It deserves to be jeered. It deserves to be mocked. Plus, mocked sounds so good. Nice hard ending. Ridicule has actually too many syllables. Which, of course, what makes shit and damn and fuck so popular is literary and expansive modifiers, expletives, hard endings, good consonants, one syllable, mocked. 
as I said, ridicule is the way it hit me, and it's like I had to go initially by my original inspiration. But I'm saying anything other than having to do with the physical world that could be of some practical benefit, everything else deserves to be ridiculed. Deserves it. And I'm not sure it deserves anything else other than if you have to hold, if you want to hold on to it one time. But then like rock climbing, you can't just stay in one place. You've got to keep moving once you start. You've got to go either up or down. You can't hang there on a sheer wall face. You simply can't. So you got to keep moving. I say that you move from one area of ridiculousness to a new one. You cling, it seems, perilously by your little fingertips. I assume I'm speaking metaphorically. Well, that's just all I can do to sometimes observe myself, to remember and keep my thoughts calm it just seems as though I barely cling on I need to move on I need something new I need a new place to hold on to a new trick but this is all I know why be timid has anybody already called on that one of the purposes of me saying that everything deserves to be ridiculed can I jump ahead to the end? I like that, to the end. Watch, I'm going to jeer that. <laughs> to the end. I'm going to jump to the end. Does everybody understand in your own way by now, even if you use other terms or, than mine, that there is no way, there is no such thing, not even close. Doesn't even, it's just not close. There's nothing resembling being deluded, being asleep, being captive, outside that one small area in our brain where thought takes place. There is nothing about us physically. There is nothing instinctively. There is nothing physically, if you discount for a moment, that one small area of that fairly small organ, reasonably small organ of the brain, but other than that, there is nothing that resembles. The subject would never come up. There would be no notion about being asleep or in some less than adequate state. If we were nothing but instinct and still could in some way think if we could have it both ways, then, of course, it is possible that you would look around or that you would to yourself say that instinctively I am too timid for my own good. I sometimes miss out on the best food. I miss out on the best mates because I, my temperament, my instinct is to take a secondary position. My instinct is to let some other aggressive homo sapien take the front of the line. And so if you could be strictly instinct and still in some way think about it, you might think that. And there's no way to prove this. You just have to see it for yourself. Even if all that were true, it wouldn't bother you. Because you would have to be, if you're working by instinct, you'd at least be instinctively smart enough to know there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. When you see a dog that turns out a puppy, that turns out to be the litter of the... Uh, the turn out to be the flunky of the litter... Uh, you don't see him grow up and become neurotic. <laughs> I'm sure that there's some human that could imagine that. <laughs> but when it's the runt of the litter, or they see it out in the wild all the time, and it, we all know this, in all pack animals, there's always a hierarchy. It doesn't matter whether they're a herbivore, carnivore, it just doesn't matter. There's always a hierarchy. There's always a power structure. And it's based upon instinct, as you know. Because that's all they are. Automatic instinct. But uh, there's no sign. I mean, when you find if there's a wolf pack of ten, or baboon pack, whatever it is, and you find out there's always one dominant male, is the way it normally goes. And then there'll be maybe one assistant, somebody he tolerates close, and then probably the rest of them, 
they all have to keep their distance. Every time the head wolf shows up, they have to fall on their back. They have to go down and lick his ass. Or he'll jump all over them. They just do it immediately. But they go through this little ritual, and that's the end of it. You don't see wolves out, you know, looking for yellow pages to find a psychiatrist. I don't know of any records of them becoming neurotic or developing ulcers or you know, stress-related you know, neuroses. That's just part of life. It's just part of life. So even that's all I was getting at. So everybody, even if you sit there now and you tried to imagine what would I be like if I did not have the ability to think, would I have any complaints for me? You know, if you don't watch it, you could say, well, I wish I was taller. If you're a man, you might say, I wish I was brought more broad in the shoulders of the chest. And if you was a woman, you might think, well, I wish I had a bigger chest. I'd attract men more. And as I said, you might, uh, everybody, regardless of gender, you might think at the moment, you might think, well, if I was all instinct, I'd still have a complaint because I am far too shy. I will not exert myself. That's one reason I don't get ahead in my profession. That's one reason... The, that I feel uncomfortable out in social settings, just around other people in the neighborhood, is I always feel as though I'm unworthy. I always feel as though I should take a back seat. So you could say that. And you might be making a valid observation of you temperamentally, of what you essentially, what you by nature are. But you surely understand there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Now, ordinary people think they can which is always as part of what keeps life going, as I was trying to tell you for the previous two weeks, of not being able, men not facing the question of whether they do have any control over their life. Or as I put it to you, to be ordinary. To be ordinary and sane, you must believe that you have some control over your life, but I say to believe you have some control over your life is to be insane. It's to be asleep. So everybody believes that they can make some change. But uh, that's just a dream. If you're timid, you can't change it. You can change your behavior. That's almost impossible. And some of you have been around long enough, one or two of you still left, may remember that. When I first started this, I was a little more aggressive uh, years ago. I did that to some people. That was very common for me to do it. It was like a test I did with people. I'd say, well, you can come to lectures. Uh, you got to be here on time, and uh, but I'm going to give everybody a task. And what I did, it was very crude. But I'd take out somebody would come in that was uh, what nowadays you guys call nerds. Some guy would come in, uh, weighed 90 pounds, and was very shy and had thick glasses. Just an ordinary-looking nerd, that prototype. And I'd tell him, uh, you know, guys in college, I had a bunch of them show up, and I'd say, uh, all right, you can start coming to lectures. But you're going to have to go out in the afternoon or in the morning, and you're going to have to go get a job as a mud boy. That was my favorite. That is, that you're pushing a wheelbarrow and mixing up the mud for a bricklayer. And I said, you got to go out and do it. And some of them couldn't do that. Then I said, well, all right. And I already knew several gyms in town. And I'm not talking about these kind of places you people got nowadays that have girls walking around, you know, carpet on the floor. I'm talking about the kind I've mentioned before. I'm talking about the kind that were always upstairs, wooden floors. It was always something just like Ed's or Bill's. And going up the stairs, was one of the first signs you saw when you got up there, it said, no checks and don't piss in the sink. I would send them there. And I'd say, go there. And just go over and tell them, you know, find the owner. He'll be hanging around somewhere. Some of them I even know. I said, go ask for Ed, and you tell him that you want to take up uh, bodybuilding. And pay your money, and he'll show you what to do. And I would see those people. They would just absolutely, if you can't imagine some of you, some of you years ago could imagine, I had people that never came back off that one simple thing. And I understood it. They had all sorts of nightmares. I'll go there, and these people... If it's possible, I'll be ridiculed to death. I mean, I'll just go up and I'll walk in in a shirt. If I have to go, you know, they didn't want to have, most of them didn't want to have to imagine they had to change clothes there in front of the place. And the kind of gems I used to know, at least one of them, didn't even have a shower. They had a hose. They had a hole in the floor. But if you wanted to change, I mean, it wasn't you had lockers. It wasn't, 
There wasn't stalls that you'd change clothes. And these guys, imagine, I got to go up there and take out my clothes in front of a bunch of guys with tattoos that weigh 300 pounds. And I'm going to go start lifting weights. I'm a, I'm a, and they would just, I would see them. They would just look dizzy like, you know. And a lot of them wouldn't come back. But everyone that went through that, you know, I don't really tell anybody this, but I assume, but now, now, I've never asked anybody to do anything that I didn't have some experience with. I had some taste for because I understood some of it. I couldn't have come up with the right thing. That was just one of, but that was a very common one with men, very common and very deserving in many cases, simply because of our society, simply because of the way things are that we live by and large, especially middle-class people, we live by and large away from that physical, essential world. At any rate, uh, they could change their behavior, and some of some of the people that went through that, that survived it, not only put on a little muscle and got in a lot better shape, which wasn't the point, and they'd come back later and tell me, I'm so glad that you, know, you scared me to death when you told me to do that, but I trusted you, I figured I wouldn't get hurt, that I figured you had some kind of deal down there with Ed and, and his gym, which, of course, I didn't. But he said, I, I finally figured you wouldn't put me in a bad situation. I figured that some of those guys down there that looked at me the first time, that, that you were actually friends of yours. And So anyway, I trusted you, and I sure am glad I stayed down there because I feel so much there and never been in better health, which wasn't the point. Wasn't the point whatsoever. But notice, they changed their behavior. They would have never in their life done that. But... It still didn't change what they were. I never told them that. I've never told anybody that until you people sitting here about a year or so ago. I just brought it out. Now, so does it ever hit you that I normally couch it somewhat rhetorically, but I know that one time, at least in the last couple of years, I've actually just said it, whether it made any impact on you or not, had any impact, that you hadn't really changed. The people don't really change. Taking into account the wearing down, taking into account aging. But taking that into account and discarding that, setting that aside, people do not change. And if you're timid, I'll leave it to you. If I'm wrong, hell, if I was you, I'd never come back here if I'm not blatantly incorrect. If you're timid, whatever it is, if you've got some name for you, that I, I am just, I'm almost afraid to be alive around other people. That'll never change. It'll change some with age. But you cannot change what you are temperamentally. You cannot change your nature. You can change your behavior. And to ever get anything out of this, as far as I'm concerned, to some degree, maybe not as much to take up weightlifting if you're a frightened nerd and weigh 80 pounds, maybe not that. But you have got to, somewhere along the way, have changed your behavior, that is, struggled against what you are, to ever get anything out of this. Because for one thing, what all of us are, is dumb, stupid, while believing otherwise, which is why everything that you've ever said or thought deserves ridicule, not from me, from you. And as I said, what, what it really deserves, if you want to look at it this way, it deserves you finding out what I mean, deserves you looking into it. But I'm telling you, it's a fact now. But see, that's, some, that's one of the things I think about when I hear me being so passionate. And every now and then I stop and make fun of it. And some of you will go, huh. The whole thing deserves to be ridiculed. Everything that Buddha ever said, anything some of these others, names I can't remember, two or three of those Zen guys who I've read in the past, I can't think of their name. How about Lao? The Dalai Jing. It doesn't come much better than that as far as I'm concerned. It deserves to be ridiculed. There is the way. There is only the way. And the way that can be said and described is not the real way. That brought me to my knees. That helped me in a sense more, I think, than anything I ever read or heard for years and years and years. And yet it deserves to be mocked. It deserves to be ridiculed. After you once impressed by it. Let me try another approach. As I wrote, when I said that if you believe anything is true, if there is something in which you, something that you hold dear, and I know damn well there is, uh, with all you people the way I know you, uh, 
One or two of you might be nearly exceptional. But at any rate, there is something that all of you hold. Let me just say you hold dear. There's something that you hold in your mind. And in a weak moment, you might think to yourself that it's something you hold in your heart. An idea, a view, a general feeling, you might say, but it's an idea about something. That you hold almost sacrosanct. Or maybe you do. You are harboring an absolute lie. If you don't realize that it deserves to be ridiculed. Now you can do both. Based on my experience, I understood this and I could do both for a long time before I understood it as clearly as I do now. At least enough for me to talk about it. To you people, I, I wouldn't have tried to tell you when it, tell you about when it first hit me. It's one of those things that just the sentence hit me. Whether you're interested, I've mentioned this to you before, but sometimes things just hit me. That deserves to be ridiculed, by the way. Don't look. Some of you looking seriously like, well, boy, I wish things just hit me. Well, hell, pick up a hammer, hit yourself. At any rate, sometimes, sometimes I'll just be sitting around and suddenly something will hit me. Hmm. And the time it hit me, it was that, hey, everything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. Now, when things hit me like that, they just hit me, and I know it's true. I don't think about it being true. I just know it's true. But then I don't necessarily tell you about it immediately. I mean, I mention it for years because I just realize it's true, and I don't know. Anyway, I don't pursue it. I don't know what to do about it. I just realize I know not to go and talk to you about it because I got nothing to say about it other than the fact that I realize that's true. In a sense, I don't know any more than that's true. And at that time, it was such a shock because there were so many serious things. I was thinking something serious when this hit me. In fact, I was thinking my typewriter. I can still remember it. And I was writing the kind of stuff that, I'm, that you know I write. I was writing meaningful stuff to me. I write the best stuff going, as far as I'm concerned. But so what? Now I was writing, and I stopped and sipped coffee. I, anyway, I was sitting there at the typewriter in the act of writing, and it stopped for a moment to look off or do something, and it suddenly hit me that everything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. And believe me, I did not look down at just what I had, you know, had in my typewriter and think, well, except this. I understood everything that anyone ever says, but the sense hit me, the way it hit me was anything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. It was like I had to finish while I was writing, so I just kind of filed it away. So what I'm saying is, for a long time I had that, let's just say, put it, I'm trying to make a point, not about me, of course, but I'm trying to make a point. So just assume, this makes verbal sense, assume I took that one idea and I held it in my head that was filed away that anything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. And I didn't do anything else with it other than filed it away as an undeniable fact which I have no further knowledge of. I don't have any details. And so I would constantly remind myself of it or be reminded of it by myself in some strange way that I would be having some important thought. And I would simultaneously realize that deserves to be ridiculed. If it's any interest, that's not the way it happened. Let me put it to you this way. I would have the thought and simply remember that sentence, anything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. So there it is. I'm having an important something I'm thinking to myself. When I say important, I'm talking about waking up. And that's the only thing I consider to be important. I wasn't thinking about some mathematical problem or how to design a new external combustion engine. So I'm having an important thought. A meaningful thought, something that I thought would, you know, I believe would be worthwhile that other people interested in this sort of activity, this could be of help. I need to tell this. If I still have people who are interested in hearing about this, they deserve to hear this. And at the same time, I suddenly remembered my sentence, that fact that anything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. And there they both were, and it wasn't a contest, it wasn't a struggle. I didn't then fall into some kind of mental Self-headlock, 
I didn't begin to run around in circles and get dizzy. I knew they were both true. But as far as the idea that I was having, that I knew when I thought well, other people might benefit from this. I knew that, yeah, they might. But I also knew simultaneously there was no argument. There was no estrangement. There were two realities. The other reality is anything ever thought, that is, anything ever said, deserves to be ridiculed. It was like I would just have my own secret little chuckle and going about my business. And finally, it expanded sufficiently my understanding of it, my view through that idea that I wanted to bring it up to you. Because if you have anything, which back where I was, you can check with yourself, but it's my suspicion, just knowing people, that all of you, if you just think about it for a second, that there is one, at least one, probably one and a half, two, things, ideas, beliefs, pictures, feelings, call it anything you want to, it's an idea. If you can think about it, it's an idea. But that you hold to be very important, you hold to be very, it's just one of the great truths maybe of life. Right? If you can't see that that very thing deserves to be mocked, jeered, held in disdain, ridiculed, I give you my word. You are holding on to something, you are believing something that is absolute bullshit. It's just a lie. It's an illusion. It could not be in grosser error. Not, not that it could be any grossly correct either, but God deal with one. Got to deal with one, with one one-legged man at a time, don't we? <laughs> Until we can knock them both down, run them over, start working on their upper limbs. Oh, I see you still have two arms, though. Well, here we can do something about that. All ideas, the subtopic, if you recall from my reading 50 minutes ago, all ideas deserve to be insulted. Oh, I did give you a variation. Any idea that can be insulted should be insulted. So if you have some idea, whatever it is, one of the grand ideas, one of the great truths that you still hold to, that you're sure, well, that's one thing. I may not know anything else, but I know this to be a fact. And if it can be insulted, if it can be offended, if someone can say something, you know what I mean, especially if you believe, well, there is a God. I may not know anything else, and God is love. And somebody makes fun, says, you know, if someone can say something about your idea, and it offends your idea, it makes your idea go, oh! it makes your idea, whether you observe it or not, become defensive. Because you may think of it as you defensive, like, well, wait a minute. Now, you shouldn't say that about my idea. Or you shouldn't say this about that idea. They may not know yet that you hold it to be some great, supreme, undeniable truth. And so you may just be a bystander hearing someone speak. But if they say something about an idea that you hold dear, or just some idea that you believe to be true, and you feel offended. Remember what I told you. If an idea can be offended, it should be offended. But if you're going to actively climb that sheer wall, you can't wait around to be offended. You do it yourself. What's the whole point of being a mystic? Unless you're going to go join a commune or a monastery, which I don't consider them real mystics. They're social climbing mystics. <laughs> well, they're not necessarily even that. They're social mystics. Because this is not important, but any mystic that wants to be around other mystics, I have never considered since my early years to be a real mystic. Something's wrong with them. I've been around other mystics shortly, briefly. God, is anything that puts you to sleep would be anything to distract you. At any rate, it is a solo voyage. That's all it is. It can't be anything else. So you can't wait around. You can't look for your idea or your ideas to be offended. Just check with it. Can your idea, some idea you have, any idea you have, if it can be offended, 
it should be offended. Check it out. Offend it. And then if you start to get upset, then fall back on my other one that I said, well, anything ever said, anything ever thought, a man. Now, anyone, anyone deserves to be ridiculed. I asked earlier, 25 minutes ago, I said, does, does anybody already caught on to what's going to be the punchline or one of the possible punchlines to end all of this before I get there? This is not the point of the night, but I can't resist putting it to you this way. One of the purposes of trying to take to your own heart that I mean something quite potentially useful in pondering, trying to go with the idea that anything ever said, remembering I'm offering no exceptions other than what I mentioned about Comments, thoughts regarding the physical world that has to do with survival. But as always, that is beyond the interest of what we're doing. Remembering that, then I am saying without any exception that anything any human being has ever said, anything that any human being has ever thought, anything that they do think right now or say, no matter who, I'm including me, I'm including you certainly, but I'm including me positively, deserves to be ridiculed. Now, if for no other reason, what I was saying is one of the purposes is for you to realize, I know that you think you know this probably, or you know, you know that I've said it, but it's to realize that there is no such thing <clears throat> as an important thought. There's no conditions. There's nothing to say. Anybody that wants to respond to that and begin to whine or go, well, wait a minute, you know, shut up. Get the hell out of away from here. Anything that any human says, if it's not about food, sex, or somewhere to sleep cheap for the night, it is not important. It has no meaning whatsoever other than the meaning the mind gives to it. And if you continue, well, that's what being asleep is, huh? It sounds too much like a sermon again. If you continue by God to do that, you'll never wake up. <laughs> never? <laughs> well, hardly ever. <laughs> Never's a long time, sir. <coughs> yeah. But it's not as long <laughs> as sitting through the complete... Got a Damarong. <laughs> Not as long as hearing a Pope or a priest or a rabbi go, well, relax there because uh, this is going to take a little while. <laughs> Where was I? There is nothing that the man can... Uh, I'm going out, I can serve with a whimper because... I know you think I've said it, and I bet all of you go, yeah, I know that. You don't. If you even respond to this, when I say it, if to yourself, you think, well, I knew that. Make fun of that. Mock that. You're an idiot. I mean, I'm an idiot for saying it. I'm an idiot for showing up and talking. But here it is. Other than relating to survival, there is no such thing as a meaningful thought. No such thing as an important, but I guess meaningful is a better word. There's no significant, nothing significant is ever said or thought. And as you do know, I am not attempting to be a public prophet or preacher. You can't say that to an ordinary person. That's just irrelevant. It's in another world. I'm saying it to people who want to awaken, who, who are pursuing that. And even for those of you that think that you... And have had some experience with it. There's no such thing you have never had, nor has anyone ever had an important, a meaningful thought. But since this thing, since doing this is entirely in thinking, in a sense, it is more 
more so is it entirely in thinking. It's, it's more genuine for me to say it is than it is with religion. I'm not going to go into why. Uh, the whole thing about attempting to achieve enlightenment, wake up, etc. Uh, again, I say, from my view and experience of it, and I, I stand behind this, it is singular. There's nothing else exactly like this. Some religion can sound like it, some philosophical activity can sound like it, blah, blah. But if you're what I call a mystic, then this is singular. And I say that on the basis that this, in a singular way, has to do, as much as possible, entirely with thinking. Has almost nothing to do with instinct other than the fact that we live by instinct, etc. This instinct that keeps thinking alive. But other than that, this whole thing of awakening happens. The whole struggle for it happens entirely in the cerebral cortex. Whereas even pursuing religion or philosophy, I say, is not necessarily limited. But here, I say, it is entirely limited to the mind. Now, if that be true, which it is, then how do you like considering the fact that there is no such thing, never has been, as far as I'm concerned, never will be, a meaningful thought, a meaningful idea. And I'm talking to us, the few people like us on the planet. The whole thing takes place in the world of thought, and I say to you that there is no such thing as a meaningful thought. I mean, you can forget completely important thought. I'm saying meaningful. I'm saying meaningful in the common definition of the word, the common connotation. That there is no thought that has any significance whatsoever. And see, if you've got any mental reaction to that, you're proof positive. You can't have if you have any mental reaction to it. Which is one of the reasons of me bringing up anything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. That's not the final answer. I was going to try to get into that when I speak about the uncommon nexus betwixt the reptilians and the Essians. Because ridicule is not the last thing. But it is the proper reaction to anything going on in the mind. It is the proper reaction to anything that any human has ever said. If, if you find what I mean in yourself, that you don't do it actively, you don't laugh and ridicule a person verbally to yourself, you simply understand. If you'll try and look at it, I can't believe that some of you won't get something, that I'm saying this is a fair statement, that anything any human ever says, has ever said, has ever written, ever said, ergo, ever thought, deserves to be ridiculed. That's all it deserves. And the more impressive it sounds, the more it deserves to be ridiculed. How about that one? I tried to make it sound more impressive at the end. Well, anything ever said deserves to be ridiculed. But let me tell you this. The more impressive it sounds, the more it deserves to be ridiculed. Well, wait a minute, that maybe, maybe. What are you doing? You're not ridiculing it, you're thinking about it. You're considering, well, let's see. Hey, let's see is just, to me, another synonym, a synonymous term for it. I think I'll go to sleep. I think I'll return to being a complete idiot. That is, let me see. I'll have to introspect on that. I know some of you like the last part. Maybe I'll do it from memory and then we'll stop. They said most people spend most of their life, remember I was still basing the model on doing and thinking, I said that most people spend their life, most of their life, thinking about doing. Now that is most of the six billion people, most of humanity, constantly. Ordinary people, and all of us have our ordinary side, <laughs> to say the least. That was so meaningful it doesn't deserve to be ridiculed. <laughs> most people spend most of their time when they're thinking thinking about doing you look around at life if you don't know or yourself 
see people going by in their car, watch people just staring at whatever. You should know this. Most humans spend most of their time thinking about doing. They're thinking about eating, thinking about fucking, thinking about going on trips. They're thinking about physically doing things. That's what they daydream about. Mystics spend most of their time thinking about thinking. That is, they call it thinking about struggling to for greater consciousness, etc. But they think about thinking as opposed to doing. Then I said, but there's a third group. Those who get beyond being mere mystics, they think about how much time I wasted thinking. <laughs> a statement so obviously deserving of ridicule, I will stop there. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.